Great day. We've had a great day so far, and we know that God is going to move just as much in this service uh, and pour out his blessings on you. Let's stand to our feet and start this day off with praise. Let's give God our praise this morning. Director of Children's Ministries, and we are so glad that you have chosen to join us today. We have a very full service in store for you. Um, we're going to bring the kids in in a little while and do a little blessing over them as they get ready to start back to school with Blessing of the Backpacks. It's Promotion Sunday, so all our kids are graduating up to their new grade level classrooms. And we have um, communion today. So if you're joining us online, welcome. You're going to want to make sure that you have some communion elements to join us later in the service. But to get things started, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. So will you pray with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. 
And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father God, thank you so much for this day, for the ability to be able to be here, to worship together, God, whether we're here together in this building or just together in our hearts by watching online, God, I just ask that you bless every family that's represented with us today, that you wrap your arms around them, that you pour out your peace in their lives, God, remind them often that they are loved, that we are loved, God, that you love us so much, and we love you, and we're so thankful for all that you do for us. God, I pray blessing for this service. I ask that you be with Scott as he delivers the message and our band as we worship together, God. I just ask that your blessings be abundant to all of us today and throughout the week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, you guys. We're going to continue on to worship this morning. Glad y'all are here. We just remember that Jesus is the reason that we sing. He brings us together. We worship Him. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds a victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today.
thankful for that too.
for your goodness and your grace and your mercy to us. Lord, we, it's so easy for us to just, um, just forget that regardless of where we're at and what season of life, um, some here today that are on the mountaintop and they're celebrating and uh, they can see you answering prayers and others that are hurting. Um, those who've experienced loss, those who have experienced uh, just a dryness in their walk maybe with you and, um, and they just feel like there are no answers right now, but God, you're still right there and you love us so much. And so regardless, help us this morning to remember that uh, you love us even in the high places, in the lowest of places, um, God, in those lost places. Um, we just thank you so much for that unconditional love. And then also, Lord, we pray that as your people this morning, that we would take the love that you've given us and we would be willing to share that with other people to truly represent Christ in the small moments as well as the big moments. God, we thank you so much for being who you are and for being present today. We love you. We love you. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us this morning. Would you turn and find someone to welcome here? Uh, greet, if you're, if you're watching online, we're so glad to have you. Take a few moments and then we'll be right back. Well, good morning again, everybody. We are so excited about today and what's in store for this week. If you didn't know, Santa Rosa County starts school on August 10th, so Thursday. All of our kids will be going back to school. So can we give our students a round of applause as they're coming in? And if you are a teacher, administrator, homeschool parent, bus driver, parapro, if you have anything to do with the education system, will you also stand, please? Stay standing. We're going to pray over you guys, too. We love and appreciate what you do so much. So every year, this is one of my favorite Sundays, um, favorite traditions that we have here at Community Life. We reserve the Sunday before school starts for blessing of the backpacks. Um, we're going to send every child home today with a, with a reflective tag for their backpack and a little back-to-school prayer that you can keep and put on your refrigerator or in your car or wherever you see it most often as a reminder to pray over our students and our schools just for protection and that God will use this time to really grow faith in our community. Um, and each year we choose a theme for children's ministry. And we had so much fun at Vacation Bible School this year with our um, stellar theme. We decided to, to just take that and roll with it on into the school year. So we are going to um, have a theme called Shine. And we have tags that say Shine Jesus Light. And we're going to be reminding them all year long how they can shine Jesus' light in the community. Regardless of who they're with or where they are or what they're doing, each and every one of us have the ability to share Jesus with other people by the way that we act and react and communicate with others. So um, I hope that as you go through um, this next week in the school year as you're in and around highways and traffic and things like that, that you will take a moment just to pray for our students and our teachers and all of those that are involved in the school system um, for this year. So, so now we're going to get ready to do that. Um, but I, I love the fact that we get to celebrate our kids and our kids' ministry. I'm so thankful for, for Ms. Kristen and her team, all the volunteers, everybody who's here that help these students connect in very real ways to Jesus. And I love how they lead. These kids are uh, not just the, the church of the future, but the church of the right now. And so seeing them with their shiny brand new backpacks ready with their bright new school clothes, uh, it's so encouraging. It's so, so cool. Thank all of you who are uh, administrators and teachers and all, all the things in our school system. We're going to pray for you as well and also for our parents. Parents, this may be really difficult for you to send your little ones off to school. For others, maybe not so difficult. You're ready to just get them on out because it's good for them, right? It'll grow them. But, uh, but let's pray for, for all that right now. Let's give it all to God. God, we love you. God, we're going to reach out to you in this moment. God, we're going to put our faith in you in very real ways. God, as we, uh, we give you our kids and, and ask that you would uh, protect them, 
You prepare uh, new friendships, healthy friendships for them. God, that you be with the, the teachers, the staff, the lunchroom workers, the bus drivers, the administrators, and everybody in between who's a part of the process of helping uh, get our kids grown and, and educated and provide opportunities uh, for them. God, I pray for our kids who are in many ways missionaries to their classrooms, to their families, to their teachers. Allow their words and their actions just to be yours. I'm so blessed by the, the lessons that they have taught me over the years of how to love and how to have faith, of the ways that they've reached out and connected their friends to ministry. And so God, we're praying for them. God, I pray that you would uh, give them the words, that you give them uh, the actions that they would be truly yours, that you made them on purpose with a purpose. We pray a special hedge of protection around them this year. God, for their emotions and their hearts, for their physical bodies, and God, all the things in between, that you would just be present to them and remind them in those really difficult days that you were there for them and on the, the fun and happy, joyous days that, God, you're present as well. So we love you and we thank you for the gift of these children. And we're so thankful. And it's all this we pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome you and thank you for joining us today at Community Life Church on this beautiful Sunday morning. My name is Scott Verano and I'm the lead pastor here at Community Life and it is an honor to have you here in the family room um, or joining us online. It means the world to us that you would take this time on a Sunday uh, just to hang out with us and, and study and sing and do all of the other crazy stuff that we do. At Community Life, we love God, we love our neighbor, and we believe that our mission is to connect people to Jesus because we believe that Jesus is the source of life. And so our hope is that um, if you've discovered, or hopefully you'll discover that source of life in Jesus, and then you'll take and hold on to it, but then you'll share it with every single person that you encounter. And um, our mission as a church is to come and stand alongside you as you do that. So if there's anything that we can do, please, please, please give us an opportunity to do exactly that. So, um, so you guys are service number three today. Give yourselves a big round of applause. <clears throat> And so I haven't determined yet. It kind of reminds me of, of Christmas Eve, where we do three services. By the time you get to the last one, um, it, it goes one of two directions, right? You either, it either is the best it's going to be, and it's just awesome, or it's just like, hey, guys, let's just all roll up our sleeves and have fun, right? Like, just hang out and have a good time. Um, it's been a wonderful, amazing, glorious day. Um, the 8.30 service, great. 10, 10, whatever. I don't know the service times. Um, just been a wonderful day. So, so thank you for being here. What I know based on the last service is that you will have friends joining you next week because it was crazy. So they will spread to the bookends. This whole first month is going to be hard for people to figure out where they're going to land. But, um, but thank you for being here today and, and um, figuring out this new service schedule. We are, we are enjoying ourselves and figuring it out as we go through. Um, so a couple quick announcements, and then we'll, we'll jump into the message. The first one is this. Uh, if you are new today, and we've got multiple new folks that have been joining us, um, there are a couple ways that you can connect. There are two QR codes on the seat in front of you, um, or if you're at home, um, we'll put them on the screen. The one on the left is an active QR code. 
And that QR code will take you to all of the announcements, all of the different events that we have coming up. If you need to register for something, that'll just give you insight about the church and, and, and what all's coming up. The one on the right is our giving QR code. And so if you want to connect with the church in terms of giving, uh, I would just say thank you. Thank you for empowering us and allowing us to connect people to Jesus because that's what we're all about. And we work really hard to make sure that every dime that comes into uh, this church um, through giving is used to go back into this kingdom to connecting people to Jesus. So thank you for doing that. Um, if you're not a QR code type person and you're the check writer, um, we have, uh, ba not baskets, they're boxes that are on the walls by each one of the doors. And so, so thank you for, for giving and connecting to the church in that way. Um, tonight is, is a service that I so look forward to. It is the Kids Beach Baptism Bash service. That's going to be at 6.30. So we're going to gather at 6.30 out on Navarre Beach. Uh, we're going to eat, and then about 7 o'clock, we're going to start talking about baptisms with the kids, what that means, what that looks like. Here's the cool thing. We have 67 children registered to be baptized tonight. Isn't that awesome? Dude, I am so stoked. Um, thinking about what it is like for these students to go into school after being baptized and knowing that they're carrying that identification of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ in their hearts, man. So I am so looking forward to it. Um, had a question. There were adults that said to me, well, Scott, what if, what if I want to get baptized today? I said, great, come on, we'll do it. But you have to wait till after the service. After the kids' service, if you show up and try and insert yourself in the middle of the kids' service, we'll tase you because we'll think you're a creeper. No, um, because we're going to make sure the kids are safe. It's all good. Um, but when they're done and we take the big group shot after that, um, if there's anybody that, wanna be, that wants to be baptized, we're going to go ahead and do those baptisms right after that. But show up. I love it. It's one of my favorite moments as a pastor to be able to connect people with their faith um, during that time. Okay. Yep. Okay. Y'all ready? All right, so I think I have enough voice just left to, to do this. Let's do this. So we start a new series today called One Another. And one another is the English phrase for a Greek word that is a single Greek word, alelon, alelon. And what, this, what we find about this word, alelon, is that it's in the New Testament over 100 times, but 59 of those 100 times, it is used as a specific command that is given by either Jesus or the apostles to help us govern ourselves and our community as a biblical community or as a Christian community. And so going back in and studying the New Testament and finding these one another statements is important for us so that we can learn how to govern our lives, how we can learn to be together and, and experience life together. So it, it, it's, it's that type of understanding when we look at the word. And I'll just go ahead and set the expectation up front. This is one of those series that I honestly think you will love because of the way that we're going to go about teaching it. Now, now today might be a little bit different because we're going to set the foundation for the word and then we're going to build the theology around it. Um, so today might be different because we're going to teach line by line, word by word in some cases. But next week and for the next three weeks, I should say, we are going to um, look at three of the letters that Paul writes, Colossians. Um, Philippians and Ephesians. I'm going to show you maps, pictures, all of the context, which you guys all love. I'm going to show you all of those things. And so as we set the foundation today, we are then going to go look at those letters and study the one another statements that are in there. And what you discover is that in the letter, if you just pull the one another statements out, you can find out what the heartbeat of the letter is because Paul was writing to them as to how to govern the community. So I'll cheat and tell you a little bit ahead. In the letter that he writes to Colossians, um, the, the challenge with the, with the church at Colossae was that they had had false teachers that had come on and started teaching them the wrong way. So the one another statements are... Um, admonish one another, teach one another, encourage one another. So all those one another statements go along with helping in instances where there's false teaching or people are learning in the, in the incorrect way. So we're going to go about and do that. And I'm going to tell you, you guys love to learn that way. So I'm excited about unpacking and diving into this series as we kind of roll forward. Now, what's the goal for the series? The goal for me is to elevate the importance of Christian community in all of our lives almost to the point of us understanding that it is the mission, that it is, it is the design and the purpose of how God uses us to, um, to really reach the world. And I'm, I'm going to hopefully explain that as we go through the message today. But then also to reframe what it means to be in a healthy community. Now, one of the things that, that I'll tell you, and, and this will make sense to you, is that as a pastor, 
at least weekly, if not multiple times during a week, um, I get a call from one of you or from somebody in the church or somebody here in the community um, letting me know that life has gone off the tracks, Um, whether it's the loss of a loved one or um, maybe there's a medical diagnosis that that you weren't expecting um, maybe your children, <laughs> your husband or your wife have gone off the rails. I don't know what it is, right? But, but something happens and you say to yourself, oh, no, 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 I'm calling the preacher, right? Like I need the God perspective on all of this and I need to get some more insight. And so I get the phone call and I'm, I'm hopefully, I do this to the best of my ability, try to make myself available to sit down and talk. If it's not me, Clint or somebody, we can sit down um, and, and Addie sometimes and talk through these conversations. And here's what I would say to you. I cannot express the difference that it makes in the lives of those people that I encounter who are anchored in a good, solid Christian community versus those who do not have a solid Christian community. The impact that happens in your lives is vastly different. People who are just swept off their feet and they've got nobody around them to love them and support them and encourage them, it's a far different experience than if you've built community in your life and you have built that group of people around you that will love and support you during that time. And what I find, folks that are in that world, they will come and they will meet with me to let me know what's going on, but their community has rallied to their side and is loving and encouraging and helping them to solve the issues that they're walking through. So biblical community is so, so important as we think about who we are, whose we are, and what God has called us to be going forward. Now, as a people, I would say that we're risk averse. So we have life insurance, health insurance, car insurance, home insurance. But when it comes to our faith, we become believers, and then we get up on that tightrope and we just start walking. And life knocks us off that tightrope and we have no safety net to catch us to help to pick us back up and to restore us. And for me, that's what that community is. It's the, it's the community that, that stands alongside us. And so really think of it, I don't know if you'd call it community insurance, but that's, that's kind of the conversation that we're gonna have today. Now, one last thought to just make this point, and then we're gonna jump into our scripture. Um, and this thought is to prove to you that we, not literally, but maybe in our minds, minimize Christian community over our individual understanding of God. In other words, our connection with God, we anchor into it and we use that as to how we're gonna fight forward versus what community means. Um, and I'll give you an example that we do, we, a prayer that we pray every single Sunday that really brings home the understanding of community, but I think you probably have forgotten that it's in there. Let's talk about the Lord's Prayer. What is the very first word in the Lord's Prayer? Our. Now, just follow me along in this prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give this day daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive who trespass against and lead not into temptation, but deliver from evil. How often do we pray that prayer and we think of it as a solo prayer, but God has built the idea of community in the very prayer that he gave us, right? That understanding of community. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those who trespass against us, right? I mean, it's just, we always try to get down and to forgive me or my father, or we do that, but God has built this understanding of community as being the guiding force around us that loves us, that encourages us, even the way that he modeled it with his disciples and they supported one another. It's just so powerful. And and so just, just if you took that home with you today as the consideration, it may be enough to make this point about, about how important community is in our lives. So, um, we are going to be focusing today on John chapter 13 in John chapter 17, so if you have your Bibles and you want to go ahead and open those up, um, I teach from the, the New Revised Standard Version, the NRSV. I get that question all the time. Um, uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open that. If you don't, you can watch along on the screen. We'll put those up there for you. But we're going to be looking at a section of Scripture that is known as the Farewell Discourse. So this piece of Scripture in John chapter 13 all the way to 17 um, is it's, it's not an uninterrupted. There are questions and conversations that happen, but it's one of the longest conversations that Jesus has 
of teaching with his disciples, and it falls in the last 24 hours of his life. So you have to know that Jesus, as he is aware of, of, the, of the end of his life coming soon, that he's trying to clarify, teach, and prepare his disciples for what they're going to be facing next. So when you get to the beginning of chapter 13, <clears throat> this is the, the Last Supper. He gets everybody together. The scripture tells us that Jesus stands up from the table. He takes off his robe. He wraps a towel around his waist. And what does he do? He washes his disciples' feet. Now, that's not rocket science. You guys have all heard that before. But here's what you maybe haven't considered. He washes their feet, not just one or two of them. He washes all of their feet to include Judas, the one who would ultimately turn him over to the officials that would ultimately lead to his death. Um, Peter, who in very short order would betray him three times. James and John, when they land into the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is praying, Scripture tells us that he's praying so fervently that the capillaries burst and he is sweating as if they were drops of blood. Those guys who were snoring off in the garden somewhere else while he was going through the most difficult times in his life, Jesus washes all of their feet, setting for us an example of how we should live and take care of one another. So, so really, he's setting the standard for us but then if you follow along in the scripture, just to get us up to where we're going to be looking at, um, he reveals who Ju the, the betrayer is going to be. So he reveals who Judas is. And in verse 30, just before Judas gets up and leaves the table, you get this last verse, last part of verse 30 says this, and it was night. Now, here's what I want you to know. That's John's way of telling us that Jesus has less than 24 hours to live. Because Jesus is in the tomb before nightfall the next night because that was the beginning of Sabbath. So John cues us to the fact that all, everything else that's going to happen happens in less than 24 hours. So, and it was night, cues us, lets us know. So you can see this time swath. I, I remember years ago when I would study this, I would think that there was a large period of time between this, uh-uh, 24 hours Jesus has to live. And so everything he says is of the utmost importance. <clears throat> so now we're going to pick up in verse 31. And I'll teach through 31, 32, 33, and then we're going to get to our one another statement and really build the foundation for our message. So he says, when he had gone out, that's Judas, Jesus said, now the son of man has been glorified and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. If I was an English teacher, I would give John an F or Jesus for using all the word glorify way too many times, right? There has to be other words that you can use in this verse. I didn't say that. That sounds sacrilegious. It's hard to understand it. What is this? I will glorify. He will glorify. We will glorify. It's all there together. Let me explain this to you. The word glorify means to be lifted up literally and figuratively. And so what you need to know about the gospel of John is that for John, there are three ways that Jesus is glorified. Um, the first is in his death on the cross because he is lifted up. The second is in his resurrection because he is lifted up from the tomb. And the third is in his ascension because he is lifted up to the Father. So in those three ways, he is glorified. And so what he's saying is he's talking about the fact that the wheels have started to turn to bring about the glorification. So Judas has just left, and now Jesus is referencing it, and he's letting us know, and here we go. This whole story is about to start unfolding. Now remember those three things because it's going to become important later on in the sermon. Verse 33, he says, little children, which I'm going to tell you is not an insult, it's a term of endearment. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, it's interesting. You read that and you're like, well, what is he talking about, right? There is, there is a lot of theology and argument about what happens and what he's talking about during this time, that time when Jesus is dead, gets the keys of death, hell, and the grave. You know, all of that stuff that we, that, you know, we understand that builds a part of our theology. But he says, you, you can't go there with me. Now, here's what I love about Jesus. You can read that and it just... You ever tell somebody you can't go there and then you leave and then they're, that, where do they want to go? That's like the one thing that they want to go do. So I love what Jesus does in chapter 14. He explains it. He tells them in chapter 14, and you've heard these verses at a memorial service if you've, if you've been there, where Jesus says, behold, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back 
and take you to be with me so that you also may be where I am. Jesus doesn't just leave them hanging with, you can't go where I'm going. He lets them know that he's going to be the one that comes back and leads them there. Now, I've been a part of services where people say, um, it's so, I'm so, I feel so good about the fact that an angel has come and take my loved one on to heaven. I would tell you, based on what I read in scripture, it's not an angel, it's who? It's who? Jesus. I want you to know that. That has nothing to do with the sermon today, but Jesus says, I will come back and take you to be with me. That's important for me to know that when I pass from this life into the next and eternal life continues on, that when I open up my eyes, guess who's going to be there ready to go? It's going to be Jesus and we're going to party. Um, So anyways, that's a side note that has nothing to do with the message, but it gets us into context with where we're going. Verse 34. Now we get to our one another statement. He says, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Now my men's group, we were laughing about this because I'm like, a new commandment? Like, has he not said this before? What's it done? I'm going to tell you, it's delivered in a different way, right? He talks about love God, love your neighbor. In this case, he just says, love one another as I have loved you. So it's a, it's a different shaping of the words. But, but what I'll tell you is what I think Jesus is doing is he's simplifying for the disciples um, an awareness of, of, of what they need to do as they go forward because they're about to walk through the worst 24 hours of their lives. And so Jesus says, Um, I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Keep in mind that they are about to experience, um, some of them are going to betray, some of them are going to run away and hide, some of them are going to lie, some of them are going to do all sorts of things. And what Jesus says is, is, um, is love one another. So he's preparing them for what they're about to experience. He wasn't telling them that they didn't have to worry about all the other commands. He's just reshaping it in a way that they can understand it. Now, if you continue on in that verse, he says, just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. So I love that because what Jesus just did, washing the disciples' feet, really sets the stage for them. I washed Judas' feet, and and I, I showed my love to him, and yet he betrayed me. I want you to know you love one another over these next 24 hours and for the rest of your ministry and for the rest of your life because that's what I did for you. I purposed it. I showed you how to do that, and so you can live into that in your very own life. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. So there's the um, alelone word. That's the commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 35, now he's going to tell us why. So it wasn't, Jesus doesn't just tell us the command. He's going to give us an example why. So I I appreciate this. I, I love grabbing a hold of this because it really informs us as we go forward. He says, by this, loving one another, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So just in that statement, if you started at the beginning of this dissertation of what Jesus is delivering them, what he says to them is, hey guys, Love one another just as I have loved you. So use my life as a pattern, not just the washing of the feet. We're not going to all just wake up every day and wash each other's feet in, in perpetual life, right? No. The way that I have lived, the way that I have walked alongside you, I have encouraged you, I have loved you, I have corrected you, I have stood alongside you, I have fed you, I have clothed you, I mean, I, there are, I have restored you. All of those things that Jesus is saying is, is to live that way. And when you live into that, what it does in this world is let the world know that you belong to me, that you are my disciples. And so on the very basic level of our sermon today and our understanding of Alelon is that when you love one another, then you are allowing people to know that you belong to Christ because that is the marker of Christ. Does that make sense? Okay, so just hold on to that truth. Now we're going to skip back to John chapter 17. So John 17, we're going to build the theology around this statement. John 17 is a prayer. And I'll tell you, it's deeply theological, but it's, it's beautiful. Jesus, before they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, prays over his disciples. It's exactly what he did. It'd be just like if we got together and I, just, I prayed a prayer over, just, well, excuse me, just like we just did for our students, our children, that we pray a blessing over them. In, in the first 19 verses of chapter 17, Jesus prays specifically for his disciples in roughly three things. There's more, but the three main focus to what he prays for is that, um, is that they would be one. Um, in other words, one heart, one mind connected, that God would protect them because Jesus is going on to the Father and he's no longer there to take care of them so, so that God would protect them. 
And then the third thing is that God would sanctify them. And that's another church word that means to set them apart. Um, Not from everybody else, but set them apart so they don't just fall into the chaos and get washed out. So sanctify them. There's a holy understanding of God setting them apart for a specific task and a specific duty. So he prays that over them in the first 19 verses. Then when he gets to verse 20, the prayer shifts. And the prayer shifts to a wider swath of people. Now, I want you to hear this because I believe as we read it today that he's talking about us. So listen to verse 20 in chapter 17. He says, I ask not only on behalf of these, meaning the disciples, but also behalf of those who will believe in me through their word. So I'm praying not only on behalf of the disciples, but on anyone that comes to believe because of the word of the apostles or the disciples. And I want you to know that that is exactly how we come to believe. Now, it was spoken from someone else in our lives or another way, but we have these testaments, these teachings, these understandings because of the disciples and because of the apostles and the work that they do. So what Jesus now is speaking to us and all future believers, and here's what he says, verse 21, that they, us, may all be one. Now, you may stop and say, Scott, what are you talking about? What does it mean to be one? Is he asking us to be um, unified as in uniformity? We all dress alike, look alike, sound alike, cut our hair alike, um, use Christianese alike, like all that stuff. Is he talking about being one in that form? And I think it's safe for us all to say, no, he's not talking about that. He's saying be one. And what we're going to discover as we read forward, he's talking about our heart, our connection to the Father, our connection to Son, a son that we would be rallied together in mission and purpose. And there's also somewhere in here that beautiful understanding of God and community that pulls it all together. So it's not just the identity of what we're about, but it's whose we are about and how God brings us together. So, so that prayer that we would all be one. Now listen to the God math. This is where it gets interesting. Jesus says, as you, Father, are in me, Jesus, and uh, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, may they, us, also be in us. And that one verse is so interesting because Jesus takes in that prayer and he connects us to the Father and the Son as being One, there is a powerful understanding of our connection and our heart and our identification with the Father and the Son. But when you read that, it is followed immediately by a phrase, so that. So if you're reading through this and you're like, be one, Father, Son, us all together, I don't even know what this means. So that, he's gonna tell us why. He says, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, It sounds familiar to what we just talked about in John chapter 13, except it's slightly different. So that the world may believe that you, he's talking about the Father, has sent Jesus. So in John chapter 13, we live and love one another so that the world will look around and see that we belong to Jesus. But in this understanding of being one, when we are one and we are united with the Father, then that understanding grows from just saying, hey, that's a bunch of people that believe in Jesus to, oh, they believe in Jesus. And now we clearly see that Jesus was sent by the Father or sent by God. So can you see the growth of the theology and the awareness of what it means to be one? I'm going to tell you, this does get better as you get into the third service. It was never that clear in the first two services. So I'm going to make everybody go back and listen to it. Now, that, you may not understand that, but that was the best I explained it in all three services. There you go. Then we get to verse 22. So just hold on to that. We get to verse 22, and we're bringing the word glory back out because we can't. We have to, right? We have to have it out. Jesus says, the glory that you have given me, I have given them. So we talked about what glory means. It means to be lifted up. So Jesus says, the glory that you've given me. So God, you've glorified me in my death. You've glorified me in the resurrection. You've glorified me in the ascension. He said, so now I give to them. I'm going to ask you, and this is, I think this is intuitive. We can figure this out. Is Jesus just taking the glory that he received for those things and giving it to us? Or are we being invited to participate in the laying down of our lives on this journey. 
What I think it means is that we become participants in, in glorifying and lifting up God by, in our own lives, laying down our own lives and allowing God to be the one that lifts us up and to glorify us. So, so I think it goes along with the whole saying in here. If we continue to read on it, I think it'll make sense. So that they may be one as we are one. So if we are willing to lay down our lives and offer our lives um, to Christ, then we become one because in that picture of that sacrifice of loving one another, of laying our lives down, then we become one because we are connected to the heart, the mission, the purpose, and the design that God has set before the foundations of the earth for his son and for us to connect in. All right? And then it ends with this last phrase. Verse 23. More God math. I in them, you in me, and they may, that they may become completely one. That means mature or perfect, completely one, so that, and here's two so that's. The world may know that you have sent me. There's a slight shift from believe to now know. So they may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as I have loved you. And so the so that is, is we do this, we understand this one, we lay our lives down in keeping with the heart of the Father and the heart of the Son, so that the world can know that Jesus was sent by the Father and that the world can know that God loves us in the same way that he loved his son, Jesus. Everybody there with me to this point? No, you don't have to say anything. It's okay. I'm, I'm going to simplify it. Here's, here's, what, here's what I think this says. And, it's, and it may be confusing, but in simplest terms, in this prayer, Jesus asked the Father to make us one, meaning line up our heart with the Father, the Son, to line up our hearts and their hearts. The mission focus, the purpose, or the why is he doing this? So that the world may know that the Father sent Jesus and so that the world may know that the Father loves us just as he loves Jesus. So Jesus prays that we would be one and that we would have the opportunity to lay down our lives and in doing that, we would identify with, connect our hearts, and that is what would reveal us mission critical to the world representing Jesus to this world. So let's, let's put it all together and, um, and make sense of it. So this is a series about the New Testament word, alelon, um, the, the one another word. And um, here's, here's what I would say. I want you to see that the command that Jesus gives his disciples in John chapter 13, to love one another as I have loved you, is not simply a suggestion for us to get along. I honestly believe that it is the mission. I honestly believe that it is the mission. The way that I love you, the way that you love me, the way that we love every single person that walks in this door is the mission. Because building a healthy community where we can love, encourage, support, train, raise up one another to me is that mission because it is ultimately what reveals Christ to the rest of the world. But not just that we belong to Christ, but it reveals something so much more powerful than that, that Jesus wasn't just some crazy human being that walked this earth. He was sent by the Father and something in that process, that mission, is what connects people to the God who loves them and was willing to make that sacrifice in their lives. And so if you just stop and think about this for one second, what does it mean to be one? And let's do some simple math. If we understand the concept and the theology of being one, then when I love you, who am I loving? God. And when you love me, you're loving God. But also when I love you, who else am I loving? My, myself, right? Because we are one, we're together. And so why do I say this? I say this because the very best version of you is the very best version of me, and the very best version of you is the very best version of the God that loves you and is trying to invite other people to be a part of this community. And so Christian community is so important because of how we respond. And so rather than when one of our friends fails and falls to the ground and we walk over and look at them and just kick them when they're down, we should understand the value of what it means to love and support and get down on our knees and love them, restore them, encourage them, pick them up when they're off the trail, say, hey, you gotta cut this out. You're gonna ruin your marriage. You're gonna do that. We have to love and support and be what Jesus is to our brothers and sisters because that's the healthy community that God has called us to be a part of. The best version of you is the best version of me is the best version of Christ 
in this world. We love one another as Christ has loved us, and that is what the world sees. So I love you because that's the command and that's and because I've got all that together. Why do we love our neighbors out there? Because we want them to be invited into this part of the God that loves them. Does, does that make sense? That's the one another statements. And so as we go forward in all of this, I look forward to us looking at how Paul and the other apostles pick this phrase up and now they give us insight as to how to love one another. Right? Jesus gives us the code and that's the foundation. We're going to love one another. But we love one another in many different ways. It's not just give someone a blank check to do whatever they want to, to us or to anyone else. We pursue, we stand beside, we correct, we restore. That's the body of Christ. That's the healthy community. And, and, and here's why this is important. We may hear this and we may say that's, that's all fine. But what you need to know is that the people outside these doors when they think about what it's like to come to church, they're nervous because oftentimes they've been treated worse by the church than they have by what they experience in the world. And what we need to know is that it is important for us to be better. We've gotta be better. That's the community that we need to build here at Community Life and hopefully in the body of Christ. Loving, standing alongside of folks. So, so build your community, find your people, grab a hold of them and put that safety net underneath you and start to reveal Christ to the world. Amen? Amen. All right, I'd like to invite our communion stewards to come forward. Um, here's what's so profound about today, and, and I think I say this every time we receive communion, is that we are moving straight from a message about Jesus right into a conversation about the table that is, is designed to remind us about what Jesus did for us in life. When we gather around this table, we are commanded to remember um, the broken body and the shed blood. When we receive communion, we're not, we're not here like superheroes getting a shot in the arm so we can go out in the world. We're remembering that the God of creation came down to this earth and gave his life for us. His body was broken and his blood was shed. And when we receive this gift, it is our way of saying, thank you, give me nourishment so that I can now go and do the exact same thing and go lay my life down. And so as you approach the table today and as we receive communion, allow it to give you life and to remind you of how much you are loved by the God of creation. It was on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the very night that we were just reading about in John chapter 13, that Jesus he takes bread, he gives thanks, and then he breaks it, and he turns and he gives us to his disciples, and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat, do so in remembrance of me. And then in the same manner, he took the cup, and he said, this cup represents a new covenant for the forgiveness of sins. As often as you drink, do so in remembrance of me. Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, we're so grateful for for moments like today where we can be reminded of, of the importance of our faith, Lord, and how much we are truly loved. This world is brutal. It's constantly beating us up and taking life away from us. And today we get to remember the one who gave his life for us. And I pray that in that understanding that we would be lifted and that we would be raised up with the opportunity to share this life with someone else. Would you know each and every person that's here um, the struggles that they're walking through, whether it's physically, emotionally, spiritually, God, that you would do a deep work in their lives, or maybe they're praying for a loved one and what they're walking through. And God, I would just ask that you be so present that your spirit will be palpable in those lives. God, lead us. Help us to, to, to be a part of a community, God, that, that loves people, that, that doesn't beat people up, but loves people, restores them, and gives them the, the chance to experience life as you intended it, God, to the fullest. And it all starts right here. God, we love you. We trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we're getting set up, I want to remind you that um, you do not have to be a member of Community Life Church to take communion with us. You're here. You're part of the family. And you're welcome to, to, to receive communion with us. 
We take communion by intinction, which means as you come forward, if you hold your hands out, we'll take a piece of bread, place it in your hands, then you take that bread and you dip it in the cup and you can receive communion that way. If you're nervous about germs or maybe you've got some immune deficiencies, uh, at each station there are individually wrapped um, communion elements. You can take one of those and if you want to take some home with you for family and loved ones that maybe weren't able to make it to church, and you can, you can bring them a communion as well. We have a gluten-free alternative down front. If you have dietary needs, either myself or Addie uh, would be more than happy to serve you. And, and then last but not least, every time we receive communion, we, we take up a communion offering, and there are baskets on the stage. And this offering stays right here in the community to help people with electric bills and water bills. And you guys are so incredibly faithful um, to help support um, this community. So the table is set. I invite the first few rows to go ahead and stand and exit your row to your right and come forward and, and receive communion with us this morning.
representation of, of Jesus in them, that they get a clearer picture of, of who God is and how he's active in this world around us. If you're new here, maybe this is your first Sunday with us or you're looking for other ways to get connected, we'd love to connect with you in the Next Steps room, just right out in the lobby. If you're online, please reach out to us via email or other ways and we will get you connected as well. I'm so grateful, so thankful for, for you to be here and we're gonna pray before we leave this place. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. You are incredible. And the fact that you would call us uh, to be your representatives, your ambassadors to this world who so desperately needs just to hear a message of love in these days uh, is astounding. Thank you for the hearts, the lives of these people in here. I pray that as we leave this place, as we go to the office and the classrooms and every place in between, God, that you'd help us to love one another well. That will not be easy, but I pray that you give us the wisdom and the courage, the strength, the discernment, God, and just simply the love to go and share with other people. We thank you. We love you. And it's in your son, Jesus' name, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. We love you all. Have a wonderful day.